Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Good, good. Hey, looks like you guys survived Thanksgiving and Black Friday shopping and all that good stuff. And I'm just so glad you guys uh, took time to come and be a part of River Glen this morning. And I'm excited as we dig into our second and final week of our series called Inferno, where we're looking at what to do when anger burns out of control in our lives and the lives of those around us. Now, last week we dug into uh, what God has to say and how we handle our own anger, what we do when we get angry. And today we're going to focus on how, what God has to say when it comes to handling other people's anger. And I'm really excited to dig in with that with you guys today. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon, and I'm one of the pastors here at River Glen for a little while longer. Uh, if you don't know, uh, my family and I, my wife Danielle and my three sons, uh, Noah, Drew, and Kobe, we will be moving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the end of this year to go start a brand new church that's launching in 2017. And we are really excited for what God is doing and how he's leading us in that. Uh, but I'll be honest, it's starting to get a little bittersweet in a lot of senses. We're starting to reminisce and think about all of our time here over the past seven and a half years in Wisconsin. It was weird knowing that uh, this past Thursday was our last Thanksgiving here as a family uh, here in Wisconsin. And just I just started thinking about some great, uh, great memories that I've experienced over the past years. Uh, like this past Thursday, I played in my last uh, turkey bowl. Uh, over the last four years, some friends and I have gotten together. This is our crew from Thursday. We've gotten together and played a football game on Thanksgiving morning. And it's so much fun. But I realized, man, this is my last one. Like these friends and I, we've been getting together for years, having a great time. I'm really going to miss them and miss playing in that game. Now, part of the reason I'm going to miss playing in that game is because for four years, my team was undefeated. So I'm going to miss dominating everybody up for four years. But it was still a very sad moment as that game ended on Thursday morning. I started thinking back to my youth ministry years here at the church. You know, the reason Daniel and I moved up here over seven years ago was to be the youth pastor at River Glen. And I started thinking about different events. I started thinking about MessFest. MessFest was this event, and you could see some of the grossness of it, uh, where we launched it for the first few years that I was here. And essentially, it's just a big food fight. And I just started thinking, man, how cool is it to actually say, as a part of my job, I got to have a food fight with over 100-some people. It was so much fun, and it was really smelly and really disgusting. But it was just, I've been thinking about that and thinking about those, uh, those other events that we've been a part of, winter camps and missions trips and all these great moments that I got to experience as a pastor here at River Glen. I've also started thinking about relationships. I've started thinking about the students who have changed my life forever in so many good ways. I've started thinking about uh, my, the leaders who have done ministry with me and the friendships that I've made. I've also been thinking about this guy a little bit. So this guy, there he is. If you know, that's Andy Averill, the director of our uh, Family Life Ministries. But beyond that, more importantly to me, Andy is a very, very uh, good friend of mine and a, and a partner in ministry. Uh, Andy actually started volunteering with me my first year here at River Glen. He was just so awesome. We just had to hire him to uh, come and join me in youth ministry. And I'm so thankful for him. He's been a great resource uh, for wisdom, for humor uh, for me over the years. And I just, I, I'm thankful for him and who he is and what he stands for uh, in, in his life. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm really going to miss him, to be honest. Uh, but if you've been around Andy and I and you've seen our friendship play out, you kind of know we, we like to goof off a little bit. We like to laugh. Uh, we have a love language uh, together. It's called sarcasm. And so we, we, we do that back and forth a lot. One of our favorite pastimes is to make fun of all the other staff members at River Glen. And we just really, really enjoy being around each other most of the time. And there's moments, actually, when Andy and I, we, on the, you know, when you see us you know, in the lobby, we have fun. But there's sometimes... Annie and I don't always get to get along. Uh, actually, there's times when we get angry at each other, 
and uh, things don't go so smoothly between the two of us. And there's actually one of those times that we remember and we, we laugh about today, actually, was a few summers ago. We're having this student ministry event together, and uh, it's in the summer. We invite our students. We're going to play a kickball game. Now, one thing to know about Andy and myself is we're both very competitive. I mentioned I was undefeated in the turkey bowl, right? Uh, we, we both like winning. And so we're, we create this, this kickball game, and we actually design this kickball game to not be competitive because we know when we get too competitive, bad things happen. So we're like, all right, let's, let's do this kickball game. We're going to make it fun with silly rules. It's not going to be about keeping score or anything. It's just going to be a fun evening. Well, the problem was Andy and I got on opposite teams, and we wanted our teams to win. And so we're playing this fun, non-competitive kickball game, and shortly after we get it started, we start accusing the other teams of cheating when we were making up rules the whole time to begin with. And we're starting to get mad at each other, and, 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 the, and the students are getting mad at each other, and all of a sudden, Andy and I, the youth pastors, the, us, these spiritual mentors, these leaders that you've entrusted your teenagers with, we are arguing and fighting in the middle of this kickball field. And we're just pointing fingers at each other. Our voices are raising. It's just a wonderful time. And like all the students are standing around watching us. And all of a sudden, this middle schooler is in the outfield. He goes, why are Andy and Brandon fighting? It was like his parents were just like, you know, having this big blow up or something. And Andy and I finally snapped back to reality. We kind of let each other be for a while. And we were angry with each other. We realized, man, that was not a good moment in our friendship, in our working relationship, in anything. We were not a good example for the students around us. We weren't being good friends to each other. It was actually a pretty ugly scene. Now, we laugh about it today, but in that moment, it wasn't good. You see, what was happening, what was causing this blow-up was when one of us got angry, the other person just got a little angrier. And then that person got angrier. And the way we were responding to each other's anger is just by responding with more anger. When someone's inferno, their fire was building, we we would fight back with more fire. And that's just how this whole thing blew up. And it wasn't a healthy way for either of us uh, to handle that. I think one of the truths in life is that all of us are going to deal with people who are angry. Whether they get angry on specific things or just in general, they may be an angry person. Maybe it's a coworker or a friend or maybe it's a spouse or a parent or another family member that was out your, at your house on Thursday or is coming to your house a month from now for Christmas. We have all these people that we know who are angry. And maybe it's someone you don't even come in contact with personally, but maybe it's someone on social media or someone you watch on the news and they're just angry people and it gets you fired up as well. We're going to deal with people who are angry, and that's why it's so important in the second week of Inferno to dig into, to see what God says about how we handle other people and how we respond to their anger. I think what we naturally do is we end up fighting fire with fire, kind of like Andy and I did. When when someone gets angry around us, we kind of get angry with them, and it kind of blows up. But I don't think that's how God designed us to be, and I don't think that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus when it comes to handling other people's anger. Actually, when I think of this actually subject, I think of this guy named Peter uh, from the Bible. Now, Peter was this, he was a really big deal in the Bible. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. He was one of his 12 apostles, which is essentially one of the 12 guys that Jesus just poured his life into for over three years while he was doing his earthly ministry. On top of that, he wasn't just an apostle. He was one of Jesus' closest three friends while Jesus lived on this planet. 
He was one of the most vocal guys in that group. He was one of the main leaders of the early church. And he was highly influential in the writing of the Gospel of Mark, which tells the story of Jesus' life in the Bible. And he also was the writer of First and Second Peter, which we find in the Bible as well. And what we see is in the Gospels, the story of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, we get this glimpse of a younger Peter. We see what young Peter was like, and we actually see in one instance how Peter responds to somebody else's anger. You see, the story is found in Matthew 26, and what's happening is uh, Jesus is about to be arrested, which would lead to his crucifixion, would lead to his death. What was happening is the Jewish leaders were angry, and they were actually very fearful that Jesus in this movement that he was starting was actually going to take away their power as as these Jewish, Jewish religious leaders. So they worked extremely hard to get rid of Jesus. They wanted him to be gone. They wanted him to be dead. And so they eventually found their opportunity by getting one of Jesus' closest followers, Judas, and flipping him so that he would turn, uh, turn on Jesus. And they waited for the opportune moment, and Judas gave them the information they needed, and they went to go arrest Jesus, which will eventually lead to his death. And this is where we pick up the story in Matthew 26, verse 50 through 52. Jesus said to Judas, my friend, go ahead and do what you have came, come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. And so through all these other accounts, we know that the man with the sword was actually Peter. Now Peter uh, saw that you know his friend, this guy he's been hanging out with, is about to get arrested. They know that he knows that these Jewish leaders are angry. They don't like Jesus. They want him dead. And so when they come to arrest them, Peter grabs his sword and he swings. And he's a really bad you know person with a sword if he's only hitting the dude's ear. But he cuts this guy's ear off. And Jesus then turns them as Jesus is getting arrested. He says, "Peter, this is not how we do things." If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. If you respond to someone else's anger with your own anger, it's going to kill you. If you respond with fire by fighting back with fire, that fire, those flames are going to engulf you and take over your life. Jesus says, this is not how we do things. This is not what it looks like to follow me. You see, younger Peter's way of dealing with other people's anger was to respond with his own anger, with his own fire. But Jesus told him otherwise. And we actually see the fruit of that moment through Peter's letters when he was older, through his, one of his letters called 1 Peter. And we actually see him say this. This is the same guy, but look at his tone now in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. He writes this. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So I think it's really important to understand the context of the culture of when Peter was writing these words. What was happening in this time, Peter's a little older now. The church had started, and the church, uh, all these followers of Jesus, it's growing rapidly. There are people all over the region who are coming to Jesus, putting their faith into Jesus, and following Jesus. It's really just this amazing scene, an amazing moment in history playing out. But it wasn't easy. 
In fact, it was really difficult to be a follower of Jesus in that day because what was happening, it was the church was experiencing crazy difficult persecution from both Jewish leaders and the Roman Empire. Now, the Jewish leaders, what they were doing was they were making up these false charges against these followers of Jesus because they didn't like the followers of Jesus because they felt like this movement, these, these people who were putting their faith in Jesus was taking away from their power. So they made up these charges. They would get people put into prison for any made-up reason they could think of because they would do anything to, defi- to divide the church and to divide families and to totally just stop this movement that Jesus had started uh, from happening. And so it was just a really messed up thing. But what the Jewish leaders did, even to the point where they were stoning and killing followers of Jesus, it paled in comparison to the Roman Empire. See, the Roman Empire was all about control. They were all about power. And so when this movement started, they too thought, okay, is this going to take away from our power as an empire? So what they did is they did everything they could to put fear into this, this, this movement of following Jesus, these Christians. So what they would do is they would arrest Christians and they would put them in the Colosseum and they would have lions tear these Christians apart for show and for, for fun. And they would have these Christians, they would arrest Christians, and they would light them on fire and turn them into human torches to light their parties that they would enjoy together. They would do whatever they could to take out Christians, to put fear in them, and to stop this movement from happening. So the followers of Jesus, they are literally being hunted down and, and being killed for their belief in Jesus. And it's happening not because really their belief, but because of other people's anger in that belief and in that movement. And so the question is, what does the church do? What, is the, what do those early followers of Jesus do? Do they fight back? Do they fight fire with fire? Do they respond to their, the, the Roman Empire and the Jewish leaders' anger with their own anger to protect themselves? Now, younger Peter would have said, absolutely. Grab your swords. We're going after them. We're going to kill them all. That's what younger Peter would have thought. But that Peter didn't understand what it really meant to be a follower of Jesus completely yet. And so older, people, older, older Peter started understanding this and seeing this, and he started seeing a different perspective of how Jesus calls us to live. And here he is writing this letter in the midst of this culture where they're fearing for their lives. And Peter says some things that aren't about anger but more about love. First of all, he says we have to sympathize with each other. Now, sympathizing means that we work really hard to understand the other person. We work really hard to understand why they are and why they're feeling the way that they are. You see, last week we talked about when someone is angry, when we're angry or anybody else is angry, we're angry because we didn't get something that we wanted. And so when somebody is angry in your life, when you have a loved one or a coworker or a neighbor who's angry, they're angry because they did not get something that they wanted. And Peter says we need to sympathize with each other. And and what he's saying is we need to start understanding and working hard to see why that person is feeling the way that they do. Whether that person is at home or they're our neighbor or someone we work with or someone here at church, it'll take everyone a long way, a far away if we start sympathizing and understanding each other and trying to work towards figuring out how the other person is feeling and why they're feeling that way. Now, just to be clear, that doesn't make their anger in the way they're treating you right by any means. But what Peter's saying to do is we have to work to understand them if we're really going to figure out how to love them like God calls us to. So we have to sympathize with them. And then Peter says this. He says, don't repay evil for evil. He's saying we don't fight fire with fire. We don't respond to anger with our own anger. We don't do it that way. And that's really what our natural tendency is. All of us want revenge a lot of times, whether we admit it or not. 
We want an eye for an eye. But Jesus says, no, we turn the other cheek. And so even though there were people that wanted to kill Peter and kill all these followers of Jesus, they were living out this evil hatred, this anger for these followers of Jesus. Peter says, we don't respond with evil. We don't respond with evil at all. What's crazy is that is our natural tendency, but Jesus' way isn't natural. It's upside down. It goes against what the world teaches us and wants us to do. And so the Jesus way is not to respond, uh, with evil, uh, with, uh, respond to evil with evil, but it's to respond something differently. And Peter says this, we respond by paying them back with a blessing. Uh, does that sound weird to you guys at all? Like, these people, are, there's people around them, the government, you know, these Jewish leaders, they hate them, they want to kill them. And, and Peter says, hey, we don't respond to their evil with evil, but instead we pay them back by blessing them, by helping them, and but by adding simply, and what blessing means is to add strength to someone's life. And Peter says, this is what we do, we bless them. Instead of hating them, instead of responding with anger, we look to help them in life. We look to give them strength in life. We look to bless them. Peter teaches that this is what God calls us to do because this is what God did himself to us. You know, Peter learned that we don't respond to anger with our own anger, but we respond to love. And we see this amazing transformation in these two moments in Peter's life where young Peter would have responded with anger, but older Peter, wiser Peter, that Peter really started understanding what it looked like to follow Jesus in his life. He learned that you respond to anger you respond to evil with love. That was the transformation that he went through. And that's the transformation that all of us have to go through as well. When it comes to dealing with the infernos, the anger of other people, we have to learn that when we follow Jesus, we don't respond to them with our own anger. We respond to them with love. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus taught Peter. And that's what Peter is teaching us in this letter that we find in the Bible. See, we're going to come across people who are angry in our lives. It's just what life is going to be about sometimes. We may work with them. We may live next to them. We may live with them. They may be sitting right beside you right now. And our natural reaction and the world's expectation is we respond to their anger with our own anger by fighting fire with fire. But the problem is when someone's angry and their anger is spewed onto us and their inferno just kind of wells up and just burns us as well in our lives, our response is to get angry as well. And that creates our own inferno that goes and gets released on that person or somebody else around us. And it creates this cycle of anger to all those around us. And so what's happening is anger is just creating more anger. And this cycle happens over and over and over again. Think about when you maybe have a fight with your spouse and they get angry with you or something. Our natural tendency is to defend ourselves. They get angry back and it becomes this big blow up of this big fire of all this anger that's happening. But Jesus shows and Peter teaches that in order for us to change this cycle that we see in our lives and other people's lives around us, we have to change the way we respond to a person that is angry. And we do that by doing this. We have to remember our call to love. We have to remember our call to love because our natural tendency is to fight fire with fire, to respond to anger with anger. That's what young Peter did. He was the dude cutting someone's ear off because that's how he responded to people's anger. But Jesus called him and us to something more. He calls us to something better. He calls us to love those who are angry. 
But too often what we do is we, re- we react to people based on the way they treat us. When they treat us poorly, when they're angry with us, we start thinking, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve me treating them well. So we respond to them based off how they've treated us, and we respond to them with our own anger. Why should we even give them the time of day and, and be nice to them to begin with when they're treating us this way? But what if, what if our reaction the people's anger has nothing to do with the way they're treating us, but it has everything to do with the way God has treated us already. What if we flip the switch a little bit and say, instead of reacting to people based off how they've treated us, we react to people based off how God has reacted to us and how he's treated us. You see, when we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we identify as Christians. What we admit is that our relationship with God was once broken, but even in our brokenness, even in our own anger, even in our own uh, just uh, messed up relationship with God, he still chose to love us, to come and rescue us and restore that relationship with him. And when we trust and become followers of Jesus, what we are saying is we are taking on that call that God gives us to love everybody else around us just like God loves them. And so our reaction to the person with anger really has nothing to do with the way they act, but it has everything to do with how God acted to us first. 1 John 4.19 says we love each other because he loved us first. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to love the people in your life that get angry. Not because they've earned it or deserve it, but because God loved you and loves you when you didn't earn it and you don't deserve it. We react to others' anger because of the way God reacted to us first. So we have to remember our call to love. And then from there, there's a couple steps that we can take to really get into other people's anger to help them. The first thing we have to do is recognize, where's the fire at? Where is the fire? Where is the fires of other people's anger in your life? Who are the people that you come across that are angry, that are dealing with anger? Who are they? Where is that fire coming from? And really think about that in this moment. Think about it. Maybe write, write it down while you're taking notes. Who are the people in your life that get angry? Who are the people that you deal with? Where are those fires at in your everyday life? Because once you know where the fire's at, once you know where it's coming from, you're going to be able to do a better job to help them in that. You're going to be able to do a better job loving them. When you know, hey, my, my, my relative's coming over or my neighbor or my coworker, they just tend to be angry. When you know they're angry about something, you're going to be able to respond to them better with love rather than responding with your own anger. So where's the fire? And once you know where the fire's at, you have to do this. What can you do to extinguish the fire? This is when love becomes action. Love is just not something we say we do. It's something we, we do physically. It's something we have to put into action. A friend of mine is a volunteer firefighter, and I was talking to him this week, and I was asking him, hey, what's the deal when you're a volunteer firefighter? And he essentially said, when you were on call, When you're on, you're on the schedule, and you get that ring, you get that call, there is a fire happening, you have no choice. You have to go to that fire and use every resource that you and your team has to put out that fire. There's no excuses. You don't get to sit it out. If you're on call, you got to go. And I think that's the mentality that we have to have when it comes to dealing with other people's anger and other people's fires. The way we deal with the infernos of other people is not by ignoring it or pretending it doesn't exist, but remembering when that fire happens, we need to go to that fire and go work to put out that fire with all the resources that we have. It's remembering our call to love them in the midst of their anger and going to them and working hard to put it out. We're always on call as followers of Jesus to put out those fires of anger. 
And so the way we do that with them is by first sympathizing with them, is by understanding them, working to figure out why they're angry. And this is something Peter taught us to do. We have to remember that they're angry for the same reason you and I get angry. They wanted something and they didn't get it. So we have to sympathize them and we have to work to understand them. And when it comes to extinguishing other people's fires, we have to remember that they are dealing with something that didn't, that it is broken in their life and it's causing anger to happen. And maybe what happened was maybe a project didn't get done at work and now they have their boss or their coworkers anger with them or breathing down their neck and they're responding with anger. Or maybe someone's marriage is falling apart and they have no idea what to do with it, so they respond to you and other people with anger. Whatever the reason may be, there is something broken in their lives that is causing them to respond with anger. And so we need to sympathize with them and work really hard to understand why they're feeling that way. And it's not as simple as going to them and saying, hey, don't be so angry, man. Things will get better. That's just going to make people more angry. Instead, it needs to be a, hey, what's going on? Why are you so angry? What's happening in life? And it's going to them and having a conversation, that, that conversation with them that's rooted in love. It's talking to them with the goal of understanding them before ever worrying about how to fix or help them. And once we understand why that person's angry, then you may be able to do something that really helps them put out and extinguish their fire. This is when we respond to their evil, when we respond to their anger with love, like Peter taught us to. This is when we bless them. And remember, blessing means to add strength to their lives. And so maybe for some of you, maybe the blessing you have to do for someone is to have a conversation with them. See, a lot of times when we, we or someone else is struggling with something like anger, a lot of times we're unaware of it. We don't even realize that we're just blowing up on people. And so what needs to happen is someone needs to come into their lives and say, hey, this is what's happening. This is what your inferno is doing. And you have a, a conversation with them where you sit down, you love them, you give them grace, but you help them see the error of their ways and saying, hey, your anger is really hurting you and the other people around you. Maybe that's a conversation you need to have with a parent or a spouse or a coworker or somebody, but maybe that's your step to bless them this coming week. For others of you, maybe it's offering just a simple help. Maybe it's you going to a coworker or someone like that who is struggling, they're angry, and you just saying, or maybe your spouse is like, hey, how can I help? What can I do to help you in this situation? Maybe that's the way you bless them. Or maybe you bless them by praying for them. A lot of times when someone's angry with us or their anger is just burning people around them, we don't want to help them. So why would in the world we ever really take time to sit down and pray for them? But maybe that's how you bless them is when you sit down and really pray, God, I don't know what to do, but maybe you can help change their heart. And whatever's broken in their life, maybe you can help put that back together. Maybe pray for those who are angry in your life. Or maybe the way you bless somebody is doing something for them that maybe doesn't look like a blessing on the surface, but it really is. Maybe a way you bless them is you put up some boundaries in their lives and yours. Maybe you need to go to this person and say, hey, I love you, but this behavior, this anger, these infernos, it's causing pain for you, it's causing pain for us, it's causing pain for the kids or the neighbors or whoever. And so until you get this figured out, here's some boundaries we're putting in place to put you protected and put us protected as well. Maybe you need to put some boundaries in place. Or maybe the blessing you need to give that person is maybe you need to escape that relationship. Let me just be very clear in this situation. If there is someone in your life where their anger is putting you or someone you know, someone you love, in danger physically, emotionally, whatever, if they are causing and potentially putting you in danger, you need to leave and escape that relationship. 
You need to protect yourself. You need to protect those around you to make sure that their inferno really doesn't get you guys burned in a way that's dangerous and, and it affects your health or maybe even worse. you got to escape that relationship. And maybe you leaving and escaping that relationship will give that person the wake-up call. But either, either way, you have to make sure you're protecting yourself and those around you. Maybe that's the blessing you have to give someone. They won't like it, but it really will add strength to them and those around you by making sure that their inferno is not going to burn you. And these are just some ways that maybe you can help extinguish those fires as you're going throughout your week. You see, our world has seen enough of people fighting fire with fire. That's all we see today is when someone's angry, someone else responds in anger. And it becomes these, this cycle of infernos and pain and hurt that goes on in other people's lives and in our world. But we need to learn to live and love like Peter did because he learned to live and love like Jesus did. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Instead of fighting fire with fire, we fight fire with love. It's knowing that because of God's love for us, we can love those around us, especially in their anger. And so maybe you've been someone who's been fighting fire with fire for a long time now. And maybe you're ready to change that. Maybe you're ready to take a step towards, you know what I'm saying, uh, this way of living, this way of fighting fire with fire, this way of responding with anger, it's not right. And maybe I need to change that by following in the footsteps of Jesus and starting to start fight, fighting fire with love. And maybe you need to take a step into following Jesus. And the way you can do that today, if you've never done that, is by getting baptized. You see, it's here in baptism that we say, hey, my way doesn't work, but Jesus' ways does. And I'm going to show the world. I'm going to publicly declare that I'm following Jesus' ways and not mine. And so after service, I want to invite you, if you've never done that, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you've never taken the step to get baptized, or maybe you've just said, you know what, I need to start following Jesus, and you've never been baptized, today is your moment. Today is your invitation to step into that. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, I don't have any clothes, I don't have a change of clothes, we got that for you. We've got towels. You know, I don't have family members here. Maybe you're thinking that. Hey, we will videotape it. We'll give you a copy so they can see it. But don't miss this invitation to follow Jesus into love, into his way of doing things through baptism. It's you saying, hey, it's not my way. It's Jesus' way. And so what's going to happen, I'm going to invite you guys to in the last song today after communion and everything like that. I'm going to invite you guys to go out to the Unfinished Hub. And we'll meet you out there. We'll get you set up. And you can be baptized following this service here this morning. I would love for you to join in that if that's a step you have to take today. At the end of the day, the world needs more of us to love like Peter did and like Jesus did in their lives. We need more people fighting, uh, being firefighters rather than fire starters. We need more people fighting fire with love rather than responding with our own fires. And when we do that, when we live like Peter did, and we, we live in love like Jesus did, our world will see more peace, more hope, and more love. Our world will see more Jesus. And isn't that what we're celebrating this Christmas season anyway? Our world needs to see more Jesus. So let's do that together with the way we respond to people in their anger. So in a moment, what's going to happen is we're going to remember Jesus and the love that he has. So the fact that he came to help extinguish our own fires and to fix our relationship with God. And we do that each week by, by remembering him through communion. We remember the sacrifice he made in his death and resurrection. It's, re it's here that we remember that Jesus came to love us when we didn't earn it. And we didn't deserve it. You see, while Jesus was put on trial, his accusers mocked him. They beat him. They spit on him. They just responded with so much anger. But Jesus didn't respond with his own anger back. He responded with love, and that love led him to the cross to die for you and me. Even when we didn't deserve it, he chose to love. 
And it's because of that you and I can be freed from our anger and we can go into other people's lives and love them and help them extinguish their own fires because of the love that Jesus gave us to the cross. And so during this time, I want you to think about, are you fighting fire with fire? Are you responding to anger with anger? Are you following Jesus' call for you to love those in your life, especially those who are angry? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for today and this chance to come and and worship and to love uh, each other and to love you here as a church. God, we we all deal with people who are angry and our natural response and tendency is to to fight fire with fire and to get angry with them. But God, help us to remember your call for us to love them because you first loved us. God, help us to remember to sympathize, to don't repay evil with evil, but to bless them and to show them the love that you have for them through our actions. God, may our lives reflect more and more of who your son uh, is and what it looks like to follow him in this world. In this world. And it's your name we pray. Amen.